a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Hour number two for another week of KSL Outdoors Radio. And it's uh, great to have you along with us here. Finally breaking out of those triple digits, the heat dome that they've been uh, talking about for more than a week now has let us go. And if uh, we can continue on the trend that I'm looking at, Navi, it looks like uh, we're done with those triple digits and we'll settle into the lower to mid-80s for next week with a chance of rain. That's welcome stuff. Yes, it is. So, so uh, I mean, yeah. In the climate change era, the only way you put out fires now is with hurricanes. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that's adding to the precipitation and actually causing some concerns for Southern uh, California is that uh, they have a hurricane, a rare one, right. that's going to be within 250 miles, I think, of the coast. That's which, what I was referring to, yeah. yeah. So about as close as they get or have been in, in 30 years to uh, the California coast, that's going to be happening if it isn't already. And some of that precipitation will make its way into uh, Utah's much needed here. All right, coming up in this hour, uh, we're looking forward to um, talking with Brandy Pearson. She's the uh, with the Daggett County Tourism Bob actually set this up, Bob Grove, because uh, Bob and Mark are doing their road trip in this week in a place where they would not have cell service, and uh, they just couldn't get a a sat phone because Russ's business has been off the charts. But we'll look forward to finding out more about Daggett County. Uh, We'll also have another phone in the hands of uh, Mike and Jennifer Cottle, who are on a motorhome adventure of their own. They were headed north towards Alaska, I think, at last check. Uh, if I, we may actually be interrupting a golf game, which is kind of funny, as <laughs> they make a stop, and then they're going to be headed east across the country. And, of course, we'll wrap up this morning as we uh, do uh, every week, talking with Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge and Tracks Power Sports and find out what's been going on uh, up there. So look forward to that this week. Uh-oh. It must be time for a little check with the Division of Wildlife Resources. And how do we get lucky enough to have Faith Jolly two weeks in a row? What's up with that? Or you just uh, got nothing better to do, Faith? I know that's not you true. You know, I I was missing the song, so I was like, you know, I on the show so I could stand out for a minute hear my song. <laughs> yeah. I just got to get me some George Michael, so I'll call the guys. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Navi, I asked you this question earlier. You know, I said maybe this is a bigger problem than we actually know about, but we're talking today about ditching a fish, or as we like to call it in the past, bucket biologists out there. Uh, people that take their goldfish or any other species and want to dump it in a lake or stream somewhere, this seems crazy to me. 
Well, it's happening all over the country. It's not just happening in Utah. I mean, the Florida Everglades is now the home for the Burmese python. Thank you very much. Right. People. So, mm-hmm. look, they got they got this one species out east called the snakefish, which they got out of Asia. Somebody could, took it out of their aquarium. It's really a problem, and we're feeling it here as well. And, boy, uh, the long-term ramifications of this faith, I'm sure the person that dumped it in there never thinks about, but it could be millions and millions of dollars and wreak havoc on an ecosystem. It does, you know, and it's, it is frustrating. I mean, like you said, we're, we're really appreciative that anglers are so passionate and that they like what they like, right, and they want to fish for what they want to fish for. Um, but there's, there's always, like, a system, right, and there's a method to the madness of why we stock species, where we stock them, and which species we stock. And so it, is, it totally, totally just derails a lot of that when people will dump either pet aquarium fish that they don't want anymore or if they transfer one species to a different water body because they they like that fishing hole better and they want to catch that species there but it really does and like you said people just don't realize i mean it it really messes things up and you know these fish species can prey on outcompete other fish species some of which are endangered fish species that we're putting a ton of time and money and work into helping recover and then somebody dumps a fish that just wipes them out in an area so it's, yeah, a lot of these things, people just don't even think about it, and they don't realize how it can impact water quality and introduce disease and all these things that we work really hard to try and, you know, keep quality fishing in the state. So, yeah, that's kind of our, this is kind of our soapbox today because we've seen some more illegal introduction, so we're trying to remind people this is not a good idea. Well, you were kind with the way you set that up. When you talk about fishermen, <laughs> you know, being so, uh, you know, loving this sport so much that they want to have their favorite species, it's one thing if it's a game fish, which is bad enough. I see no reason at all for putting your goldfish in a pond somewhere other yeah. than the fact that maybe you wanted to get rid of it and you felt bad flushing it down the toilet and, you know, you want to see it swim away alive. But even that seems weird to me. Yeah, and honestly, it is weird is a good way to put it. But, yeah, we can't even begin to guess at why people did this. But, yeah, just recently our biologists were kind of doing some surveillance on one of the wildlife management areas doing some projects up there and there's a little watering pond that's just for wildlife right it's not even a fishing pond and there was hundreds and hundreds of goldfish in here so we have no idea what was going on or why somebody would put them there and a lot of those areas freeze over so bad in the winter that we get fish kill anyway so we're like you think you're saving your pet it's gonna die (laughs) come winter so it's just it's bizarre but yeah it, it definitely can mess up things for sure now we jump in here. Well, again, everybody thinks they know more than other people. So you don't. And, by the way, it's really a science to get the fisheries right. So you don't want to play God and try to put your own thing in your own spin. Is all you do is hurt the fishery. It does. And and I didn't even mention this, but like I've been out on a lot. You know, I'm not a biologist, as we have fully established on these segments. But I've been out on some of these the field work and to some of the different water bodies and the fisheries. Like, it's so much work. There's so much that goes into raising fish and stocking them and making sure everything's balanced and it's not hurting other species. And, and disease testing is huge. Like, we have to disease test before we transport any fish and put them in here. So, yeah, there's, like, so many inadvertent things that can follow the consequence of this. And, and introducing, you know, invasive species if, if these fish weren't tested or whatever. And so... It, it just is so expensive, and 
often requires rotenone treatments to be able to take out some of these fish that are causing issues, which then hurts the fish that are supposed to be there. And so, yeah, we just are really, really kind of pleading with the public, you know, don't do this, don't take matters into your own hands. If you want to see a certain species somewhere, you know, submit that as a proposal to the, to your local office, and, and we can take those into consideration, if, you know, if it makes sense. Well, by the way, if you get caught doing it, it's a Class A misdemeanor. It is. A lot of people don't realize that it it is illegal, you know, and it, it results in big fines. And, yeah, it just it causes so much extra work and just, yeah, totally can ruin an entire ecosystem. So, yeah, don't don't save your little fish. Do the right thing if you're sick of it. Give it to maybe a friend or just bury it. You know, it's, it's the circle of life, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, and yeah, so we're just kind of plugging that message today and asking people if they do see you know, either an invasive fish in a water body that they visit or if they see somebody trying to take fish out of a water body, and you know, that are li- so alive still and keep them and transport them, you know, give us a call um, to our poaching hotlines and, and let us know. I was just thinking, Navi, something uh, rung a bell with me that it wasn't that long ago you were telling me the story of somebody who caught a fish, sent you a picture, and you were surprised that if this was a particular species that was actually caught there, was that the weaver? Correct. Um, I'm trying to remember what what fish it was that was in the weaver. I want to say, oh man, it, my memory isn't what, as good as it was, but it was a terrible fish to be in that fishery. And mm-hmm. it, you know, like I remember when somebody caught the very first mackinaw in Yellowstone Lake, and they're like, "What?" And now the lake's devastated because mackinaw mm-hmm. got into Yellowstone Lake, so that'll never recover. Um, the cutthroat is on the endangered species list just because some knucklehead put a Mackinac in Yellowstone Lake. And and the same is true. We found one in the Weber, and I can't remember what it was, but it took a hopper. I want to say it was a pike minnow, but I can't remember. I saw the photo. Remember, I had it on the yeah, show. And I yeah, sent yeah. It to so th- these are really serious things, and frankly, the station that we're on and the show that we're on, these people listening are not the culprits. It's, it's your average Joe who has a, an aquarium in their basement or something, and they're not listening to the show but to our listening audience, you have to be vigilant. This is our fishery. These are our places that we enjoy. We have to engage in the protection of them. It can't just be law enforcement. Yeah. Faith, you passed along a number to me for uh, people to call. And I understand, and I love the name of this. Uh, there's a page actually on the Division of Wildlife uh, Resources website Don't Ditch a Fish. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, you can visit that page kind of just for more info. If if you have friends that don't see the harm of, you know, releasing their pet koi into the river, you know, let it be free, whatever. Like, this is a good resource to pass along just to help outline some of those issues that we've talked about and why it's a bad idea. And, yeah. and again, yeah, you can call our, our hotline. You can find that information on our website as well, wildlife.utah.gov. And anyway, yeah, just be vigilant. I, I couldn't have said that better myself. You know, we need the help of everyone and... Yeah, so just do the right thing and just go and get your fish. Here's that number. I do have it in front of me. It's toll-free, 1-800-662-3337 to report any invasive uh, fish that you might find. Navi, you brought up the python thing down in Florida because it's fresh in our minds since we were just down there. But there was a story while we were there in the news of a guy that had problems with his sewer system. So he decided to uh, dig it up, you know, the the line from the house to the to the road. And when they got in there, they had this giant python that was probably, I'm only mm-hmm. guessing, 18 to 20 feet long that had clogged up the pipe going into the house. No. So, yeah. That's, 
that's pure nightmare fuel. Oh. Don't I don't I don't want that. Yeah. Nobody wants that. <laughs> you, you don't want that head popping up out of the toilet. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. You sit down. That's a little scary. No. All right, Faith, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Faith Jolly. And again, it's uh, wildlife.utah.gov, the website. We'll take another break. When we come back, we are headed to Daggett County. Brandy Pearson set to join us. Thanks to our friend Bob Grove, who is on the road today doing his own little road tripping. Yes, I got to have It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to KSL Outdoors Radio. Normally at this spot, we'd be uh, hearing a little music from Willie Nelson and doing some road tripping, which I guess we could have done anyway, Russ, right? It doesn't matter that uh, oh, we could have. Yeah. Mark and Bob are on the roads uh, somewhere disconnected from the world, which sounds so good right about now. But uh, they'll be on with us next week to tell us about their adventures. Before uh, heading to uh, the backcountry, though, Bob set us up with Brandy Pearson, who is the Economic Development Director for Daggett County. So we're looking forward to the next few minutes just to talk Daggett County for a minute. Brandy, hi. Well, hello. How are you today? We are doing fantastic. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us to talk about Daggett County. This was fresh on the mind of Bob and Mark. I'm sure you knew uh, that they were in your backyard not long ago at Flaming Gorge. And they both said it had been a while since they'd been there. And we'll put ourselves in that category, too. It is sort of a calling card for the county, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It is absolutely beautiful up here right now. Uh, but besides Flaming Gorge, there are so many other things to do in Daggett County. If you were advising somebody on the must-sees in uh, your neck of the woods, what would they include besides Flaming Gorge? I would say it's the unseen beauty that we have here that not a lot of people um, are familiar with, and that's why this um, little project with Bob and Mark was so important to us as a small county because we feel that we just have so much more to offer than just the lake and fishing and um, the things that more of Flaming Gorge is known for, but we have so much more. And I think that they really did a great job in representing that for us. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, You're sort of right in the middle of uh, Utah and Colorado, where do the visitors come from? Or is it sort of an even split? I think more of them, we do get some from Colorado. Um, the western slope of Colorado comes out quite a bit. I feel like we're starting to pull more visitors um, from the Wasatch Front area. And also, you know, Lake Powell doesn't have as much water capacity as they've had in the past year so we still have water um so i think we're we may be pulling from all kinds of places that we're not even aware of right now but we have seen a huge influx of tourism especially this last weekend one of the reasons that uh, flaming gorge made news uh, recently russ was the release of water that was going to be sent down the river uh, to lake powell to hopefully help raise those levels a little bit i think Brandy, that maybe that scared some people that uh, it would compromise your fun or your conditions up there at Flaming Gorge, but it doesn't seem to be the case. 
No, it's actually, you know, I think we're still in a really good position. And I don't, from the reports that I've heard, um, I don't see it as being a negative thing for um, Daggett County and also in, you know, also trying to help Lake Powell recover some of their their loss in water. So it's a it's a win-win for everybody, even though we don't like to give our water away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Russ, you said it uh, on last week's show, and I didn't realize that you had frequented the Green River as much as you had, but that stretch is a real blue ribbon fishery that so many people go to enjoy just below the dam. Yeah, once once someone introduces you to that stretch of the river, it's uh, it's like a monthly thing to go back there. And I don't know, I've been there so many times fishing, fishing with a, a nephew of mine that just is a fishing maniac. And uh, it's just a very beautiful place and an easy place to put a boat in and float. And it's just gorgeous, you know. I've stayed. Uh, on you. Yeah, I've stayed one or two nights at Dutch John Brandy and really enjoyed yeah. that experience. But uh, there's a lot of primitive and uh, developed campgrounds around that area that I think people should look to uh, enjoy. Oh, I agree. I don't think people know how many wonderful places there are to stay. Whether you're just pulling in, you know, in your vehicle to throw up a pop-up tent for a weekend, you can do that on the beach. You can do that up in the mountains in camping spots. If you don't have those um, amenities available, you can pull in and stay at our KOA or the Dutch John. Um, the resort there's so many different places flaming gorge resort has some really wonderful cabins um they really are everywhere you just have to plan ahead and plan accordingly we only have about a minute left here but uh, since you are the economic development director when you talk about developing the economy what kinds of things are going on right now in daggett county oh wow we've got a lot um, of things going on right now, a lot with our um, EMS and fire district to keep the county safe. Um, we're always looking at ways to improve our amenities to be able to take in more people. Right now, we do have a lot going on. We'd like to do some improvements to the rodeo grounds. Um, there's a lot, and some of it I can't discuss, but I do want to say that I feel next 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 season is going to be a really great one. We've got some really good projects in the works. Oh, I love that. When there's a little tease to have you back on <laughs> yeah. at some point. If I told you I'd have to kill you kind of a thing. we, Yeah, uh, that, that usually means there's some good stuff coming. Yeah. Brandy, it's a pleasure talking with you. I'm glad that uh, Bob connected us, and we'll look forward to the next opportunity to do it again. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it very much. Daggett County is very appreciative. Is there a website people should look to go to for information? Um, you know, I believe the there is one, and right off the top of my head, I cannot remember. I want to say it's flamingforgetourism.com. Yeah, I've got daggettcounty.org also that has some links to things to do and other uh, information. It does. Yeah. Yes, it does. We are currently working on um, getting that updated to where it's a little more up-to-date a little outdated. So we are yeah. diligent working on keeping the social media aspect um, open for anybody um, that wants to check us out. All right. Brandy, again, thank you. And thank you. Have a great day. We'll take a break, get a news update on the half hour, and on the other side, we'll see if we can connect with Mike and Jennifer Cottle. They're on a motorhome adventure that they want to share with us next. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.